chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. We've been in a series of studies called Spiritual Laws. There are four particular laws that we are looking at. Number one was the law of love. We spent two Sundays with that. The second, the law of life, Romans 8.2. We spent last week with that. The third one, where we will start today, I don't think we'll finish, but we'll start, is the law of faith, Romans 3.27. And then finally, we will end up with Galatians 6.7, the law of sowing and reaping. Now, we've stated some of these things before, so I kind of hurry through and not take too long with repeating things. But a law, what we mean by that, is a statement of fact of what happens when particular conditions are present or con conditions are met. Uh, one characteristic that makes a true law is that it works for everybody, everywhere, all the time. Think about the law of gravity in the natural, for instance. Uh, God instituted that law. It works for everybody. It works everywhere. It works um, all the time. And so these spiritual laws are the same in that regard. They don't change. They are constant. And these four spiritual laws, one reason they are so important, and one reason it's so important for us to learn about them, is that they are eternal and they are supernatural. They are eternal and they are super or above the natural. They supersede time, they supersede space, and any natural circumstance. I don't know what you are facing in life. Maybe somebody here is facing something that looks impossible. Maybe the doctors can't fix it. Maybe a good attorney even can't fix it. I don't know. But I can tell you this, that God's power can fix anything. And if we learn the laws of the spiritual dimension, particularly these four we're talking about, you can supersede any problem or any circumstance that you have. You can use these laws much like you would use the law of gravity or any other uh, natural law, law of physics, you know, the laws of mathematics, all the other kinds of laws in the natural. These are the most important of all. Now, what I want to do this morning to begin with is to read several verses of Scripture, more than we normally do sometimes, because I want you to see the setting and the context of our, our main uh, text today. And uh, so we're in Romans 3, and we're going to begin with verse number 20. And the text topic that Paul is talking about here is righteousness. And he's comparing righteousness that came uh, by the law, and really there is no righteousness by the law because nobody could keep it. Nobody but Jesus ever kept the law. But he's contrasting that kind of an idea of righteousness with true righteousness, which is by faith. And he's going to point out in, in uh, chapters 3 and 4, when you put them together, you'll see that his primary example is Abraham. Because Abraham was declared righteous 400 years or so before the law was ever given. And he's trying to show believers that we're not saved or we're not made right before God because we keep laws but we're made righteous because of that which Jesus did for us. And it is received, and it is walked in, and then we might also say walked out by our faith. So we'll talk a little bit more about it, and that's where we find this law of faith. Beginning with verse 20, let's read. I'm reading from the King James. Look at whatever translation you may have. 
It says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. Are you a believer? We're talking about you and me. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many times have you heard that verse used, kind of pulled right out of the context and basically used to just beat you over the head about how bad you are and how you'll never measure up? We see the context really is not, a, the context isn't sin. The context is righteousness. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified. That word means Acquitted, that means found not guilty, just as if I'd never sinned. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, or you might have, a, a, if you've got the old King James, a margin reference that, that uses the phrase mercy seat. Jesus is our mercy seat, praise the Lord. To whom uh, to be a, a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins, the, the sin debt paid that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where, now this is our key verse to begin with this morning. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. The law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles too. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. And then in chapter 4, he goes on to say, What then shall we say that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So the idea here is that, as I said, four centuries prior to the giving of the law, Abraham was declared righteous before God because he dared to believe God. Now we know that according to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29, that if we are Christ's, if we belong to Jesus, we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so what we're looking at here and what we're getting ready to look at is totally applicable for us in that the way Abraham received justification by faith and the way he walked out his faith to receive the promise that God had made to him that through his seed all nations of the earth would be blessed, a promise made when he didn't have a child at all, 
how all of that came about and the faith that he used and walked in, how that we can, with the same kind of faith, we can walk out any blessing or any promise that God makes to us. Now, when we look at on down in this fourth chapter, we, uh, we want to look at verse number 12. Now, you can read the verses in between and fill that in at your leisure. But verse 12, talking about Abraham, says, And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also, so that would include us, who also walk in the steps. Everybody say steps. Steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. So the idea is that this works for Jewish natural seed of Abraham, and it also works for non-Jewish spiritual seed of Abraham to receive the righteousness of God. Now, what is the law of faith? If a law is a statement of fact of something that happens every time, everywhere, to anybody who works the particular principle, if that's the way a law works, then what would be the law of faith? What, what would it be? Well, I want to say this uh, and, and try to run through a few references with you. And I know that this can seem almost complicated, but trust me, it isn't. This is really so simple that you have to have theological help to misunderstand it. You might have to have somebody that thinks they're really smart to mess this up for you. This is not hard. There is a simple principle here. The law of faith is believing in our heart what God has said, confessing it with our mouth as truth, and then taking any other action that might be needed and then waiting on God to bring his word to pass. It's really simple. Believing in our heart what God has said. Confessing with our mouth what God has said. And trusting God to bring his word to pass. That's how the law of faith works. Now Jesus gave his version, if you will, of this law of faith. The right version. How many of you think Jesus knows something about faith? How many of you believe that Jesus is probably an expert on spiritual matters? Well, in Mark eleven twenty two and 23, he said, Have the faith of God. For verily or truly I say unto you that whosoever, whosoever, not just a privileged few, not just to the people who don't smoke and chew and go with the girls that do, not just those who belong to a certain church denomination or who have been baptized in water according to a certain formula. But he said, whosoever shall say, say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice it doesn't say he will have whatever he thinks. It doesn't say he will have what other people say he should have. It doesn't say he shall have only what he deserves. It says he shall have whatsoever he says if he believes in his heart. And by the way, in verse 23, believing is mentioned once, saying, or some form of that word is mentioned three times. 
So three to one, the ratio of emphasis that Jesus placed in his description of how faith works upon saying that which we believe. Romans chapter 10 and verse 10 says, and this, by the way, is speaking about how you and I were born again. So let me just solve this for you real quickly if it's still kind of running a, a doubt type thing running through your mind. You've already done this. You've already done this if you're saved. And you've done it about the most important thing in all the world to you. Your own salvation. Your liberty and freedom from the devil and from a life of sin. Your ability to go to heaven instead of having to go to hell. You've already used your faith if you're born again in exactly the same way we're describing. And here's what Paul says about it in Romans chapter 10 verse 10. For with the heart. You see this pattern we keep running into here? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now the word salvation here is an all-inclusive term. If you will uh, get a good reference, uh, some good reference material, concordance, uh, uh, some kind of a, a Greek to English dictionary. You don't have to be a Greek scholar. You don't have to be a... PhD to, to figure this out, you will find that the word salvation there not only means salvation from sin and spiritual death, but salvation also includes deliverance, deliverance from danger, deliverance from anything the devil would try to do in your life or to you in any way. And it also means divine healing, the quickening of our mortal bodies and restoring health to that which is sick or lame. And so, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then over in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, there is a description, another description that the Holy Ghost used Paul to give to us about how faith works. And um, he actually quotes from the 116th Psalm, quoting David, the psalmist, when he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13, he says, we having the same spirit of faith. Anybody ever heard the term letter of the law and spirit of the law? Well, we've been looking at some explanations, the letter of the law. Here, we're going to hear about the spirit of the law. We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. And here, what, 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 how does the spirit of faith operate? How does it function? What's it about? Well, he's quoting David. He says, I believed, and therefore have I what? Spoken. We also believe, and therefore what? Speak. So the law of faith begins when we hear the word of God, and that's the job of the church to make sure the world hears. That's the job of the preacher, of course, but it's also the job of every believer to share their faith. Who in the last week have you shared God's word with? I don't, you don't have to tell me their names or anything, but I just asked the question because it's not just the job of the, the clergy, as we call them. It's the body of Christ's job to go into all the world and take the gospel to every creature. There are people that will listen to your testimony and will listen to you 
preach, if you will, tell them the truth of the word, give to them the plan of salvation as we call it. There are people who will listen to you do that would never come to hear me. They don't have any interest in some old boy-headed preacher, what he's saying, but they'll listen to you. They're connected to you. They know you and they see at least that's the way it's supposed to be. They see the blessing of God in your life to the point that they want what you have. And so salvation is so simple. Being born again is so simple. Having our sins remitted or the debt paid, being cleansed of sin and being made a new creature in Christ Jesus is so simple. It's the hearing. So somebody brings us the gospel. Somebody brings us the truth. It's the hearing of the truth of the word of God and believing it in our heart, and then confessing it with our mouth. In the case of salvation, it's confessing Jesus as Lord. Believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth, you will confess unto salvation. And God will move in and confirm that word in your life, change you, set you free, forgive your sins, cleanse you, and make you righteous. Isn't that good news? Where's all the hard work about it? Well, Jesus did it 2,000 years ago. You'll never work enough. You'll never do enough penance. You'll never do enough uh, begging. You'll never be able to, to uh, work your way to this kind of an acceptance with God. You can only receive it by grace, through faith, by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 12, I want to turn there and read that verse for you. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 12. Because you see, uh, it's, it's the job of believers to give the world the word. It's my job as a pastor to come and feed you the word of God. A pastor's ministry is to lead and feed. Not to be a dictator, a despot, uh, but to lead with godly leadership, first by example, and then to feed the flock of God over which we have been made overseers. That's the command of the Lord to us. And that's what preachers do. And so the reason I'm going through all this is to tell you that, that the first step of the law of faith is not your doing. It's someone else that brings you the word. Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood, it was when she heard of Jesus that her faith began to operate. So everybody needs to hear. And it's our job to see to it that they do. Don't assume. Don't take for granted. Make sure the people you know know the truth. Now, once we hear the truth, then we believe with our heart, then we confess with our mouth, and then whenever I am a believer... God becomes the performer of his word. Look at Jeremiah 1 and 12. Then said the Lord unto me, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. God will watch over his word. Maybe you have a translation that says something like that. Watch, he says, I will watch over my word to perform it. 
You see, I don't have to perform the word in that sense of bringing it to pass. I'm a doer of the word in that I am to respond to his commands and I am to do what he said I'm supposed to do, but I can't make God's word come to pass. That's his job. And trust me, he doesn't mind us putting him in a place where he needs to perform. As a matter of fact, that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to get so full of the word, so powerful in your believing that it just can't help but continually come out of your mouth so that you are actually, in a sense, giving God something to work with. Give God something to do. Give God something to perform in your life. Now couple this back in the scripture to Isaiah 55 and verse number 11, a verse that we're very familiar with around here at the church, he says, so shall my word be, and he's talking about like rain and snow falling and so forth, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. This is God talking through the prophet. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. And it, my word, shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So God sends his word waiting on someone who hears and believes. And in their confession or their speaking of the word, they are in essence returning it back to God. It's just like an electrical circuit. When you, when you push the the lever down and turn off the light, you break the circuit. There's not a connection. The power doesn't flow, so the lights go off. But when you flip it up, if you put the thing in the way it's supposed to be done, when you flip it up, <laughs> I've seen some the wrong way. When you, when you flip it up, then the, the circuit is connected. It's no longer broken, and the power flows, and the light comes on. That's the way... This whole thing of the law of faith operates. God sends his word into the earth. We hear the word, we believe the word, and when we confess the word, speak it out loud. That's what I mean by confession. Saying it out loud, not just thinking it. It's important to think on the word, meditate the word. That's important. But even the word meditation has the connotation uh, of not only thinking deeply into something, but also muttering or speaking. And it's not just confessing it to other people. As a matter of fact, sometimes you may be believing for something so big that you almost don't, there's certain people you wouldn't want to confess it to because they'll try to talk you out of it. They just don't believe it. Dream big. I hope, I hope you, those of you who've been with us a long time, you haven't forgotten about those laughing lists. Remember some months back I, I encouraged you and to, to make you a list of things that you laugh over every day. Now, I don't mean you laugh because you want to laugh. You just make yourself laugh. If you have to go, ha, 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 amen, you know. Uh, I don't know what your laughing list is. And what I meant by that was things that are impossible in the natural. You don't know how they can happen. You don't know how it can get fixed. We just heard a testimony in prayer school Tuesday of someone that the top of their, their laugh list was being out of debt. And that was, I don't know how many months ago that was. Nick might know. Uh, but anyway, where are you, Nick? Oh, okay. 
Turn these lights up. No, I'm kidding. How many months ago was that? Anybody remember that? Was that, was that about the first of the... Six, seven months ago. And so we had a testimony Tuesday in prayer school in, six and, in this about six months or so. The number one thing on the top of the list, crossed off, out of debt, out of debt, out of debt. I mean, if you, you say, who was that? Well, you should have been in prayer school. You'd have heard it. I won't steal their thunder. They may want to tell you themselves again. But what I want you to see is Faith isn't bound. Remember, these spiritual laws supersede time and space and natural circumstances. And so you don't have to be concerned that you're going to ask too big for God. Actually, if you want to know the truth about it, I, I, we should be concerned we're asking too little. You know, wouldn't that be something if, if today... You, you know, let's say you're, you're a parent and maybe even a grandparent. And you're going to have, you know, I don't know, a bunch of people at your house. And they're coming for dinner and you promised them a wonderful dinner. And so they sit down today and uh, let's see, uh, you've got gas station fried chicken. <laughs> and trust me, they'll forgive you for you not frying it. And you got mashed potatoes and gravy, and you got green beans and coleslaw, and you got good homemade biscuits that are not hockey pucks. And 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 you are you've got some really good stuff there. And then one of the uh, one of the kids come and they sit at the table and they say, "Have you got a little one of those little things of beanie weenies? Because that's all I feel like I'm worthy of. I'm just going to sit here and watch you all eat chicken. I'm going to watch you eat biscuits. I'm going to watch you sop your biscuit in the gravy. You know what sopping is? I'm going to watch you do that stuff, but I'm just, I'm unworthy. I, I, I thought it was too much to ask that you'd actually go buy 21 pieces of chicken. So I didn't think there would be, any, you know, that's foolishness. I'm being facetious. <laughs> Unless you're really in an abnormal family, that never even happens, does it? People want to eat. Well, how would that make you feel as a parent if that happened? You, you, you'd think something's wrong here. Well, you've got to realize where God sits and where he, uh, his perspective, and he's looking at us. And how many times has he just perhaps just had to shake his head and say, man, you're leaving a lot of stuff on the table. You're leaving a lot of stuff on the table. So I want to encourage you today, think big. Ask big. Praise big. Amen. Believe God for more than you've ever believed him for before. And at the end of the day, as we say, when time passes, you'll look back and see, man, I could have had more all along. You know, people ask the question sometimes as we get a little older, do you have any regrets? Well, most people do have some regrets, if they're honest. One of my regrets is I wish I would have asked bigger sooner. I wish I would have believed for more. Not because I'm greedy, not because I'm selfish, but because I know that was God's will for my life. Because I could be so much further along today than I am. I could be so much further down the road. And I just encourage you to reach out and, and believe God for great things. Close that circuit. Let the power flow. It's not your job. It's not my job to perform the word. It's God's job to perform the word. Amen? 
Now we're going to go to Luke chapter 1 and verse 45. We're still talking about God's part in this. God starts it. He's the author of our faith. He sends his word. We believe it. We hear it. Believe it. We then confess it. We return it. And then he is the finisher of our faith. He will cause his word to come to pass. Amen. In Luke chapter 1, this is a passage, of course, that we like at Christmas time. And uh, it's about the announcement of the angel Gabriel to Mary about the birth of the Christ child. And uh, he says in, in, uh, to her in the 45th verse, I'm sorry, this is not angel, uh, Gabriel. This is, uh, this is um, uh, Elizabeth saying to Mary about uh, the Christ child and, and about, um, actually she's talking about John the Baptist. In verse 44, for lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation, that's Mary greeting Elizabeth, as soon as that voice sounded in mine ears, the babe, that's John the Baptist, leaped in my womb for joy. And some of you wondering, what was this guy over here doing running around the building? Well, he got out of the womb and uh, he grew up and, and he had some joy. And when you're a baby in the womb with joy, you may kick around a little bit, but when you're an adult, you might dance. You, you might run. You might lift your hands up, whatever. But I want you to see the point we really want to get to, verse 45. And blessed is she that believed. This is Elizabeth speaking by the inspiration of the Spirit over Mary. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance. There's that word again. A performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. So when I open my Bible and I see what God has said to me, I can rejoice and lift my voice that I know, hallelujah, there will be a performance of those things which have been spoken by the Lord. It doesn't matter what the circumstances say. It doesn't matter what happens in government, the stock market, the economy, or anywhere else, what the weather does or climate does or what anybody else does, what the neighbor thinks or what they want or don't want. I know that the Word of God will be performed by the God who spoke it, and I will dare to agree with Him. I will dare to speak His Word. I will dare to declare this because I know the law of faith works for anybody anywhere, all the time. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So God will bring his word to pass. God will bring his word to pass. <coughs> and in your life and mine, the real holdup, if you will, about God's promises coming to pass, be they promises concerning divine healing, or be they promises concerning our needs being met, or whether there's something to do with a relationship, a child, a grandchild, family member, marriage, whatever it might be, the real holdup, if there is one, is never with God. And really, it isn't other people per se. Because we can have peace and blessing no matter what other people do. Now, I know there are times we are connected to people in relationships so closely that what they do and they say does have an effect on us. But as we use the phrase again, at the end of the day, God's going to take care of you. God is going to bless you. And God is going to meet your needs. Amen. And so that's the kind of God we're serving. That's the kind of blessings we're looking for. And that's the way, uh, and here is the way that you're going to walk in them. 
the steps of the faith of Abraham. Go back to Romans chapter 4. And don't get too nervous. I'm not going to try to cover all this today. Thank God for next Sunday. And if Jesus comes back before next Sunday, then I'll see you in heaven and we'll let somebody else teach us. But uh, Lord willing, we'll be here and we will get into it further. But let's look at verse number 12 again. And uh, we'll cover the first one. Abraham's first step and then... You can go have chicken or whatever you're inspired to have after all this talking about food. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. I just point something out, steps. A lot of people don't like that. A lot of people really don't like that. They, they don't want you to to bother them with steps. They don't like process. They just want things laid out there. You know, we talked about a dinner uh, a while ago. But how many of you know that if there's ever a great dinner on your table, somebody's went through some of the process. Maybe you got to go and just sit down when it was all done and eat it, and that's, that's fun. We like that. But somebody had to go through the steps. Somebody had to go through the process in order to prepare this. And so it is with faith. There are steps. Now, I know we'd all like to just lay back, you know, go home this afternoon, take a nap. Maybe you want to watch something on television or something and just do that. And then you just wake up in the morning and whatever problem you have, it's totally solved. You didn't have to do anything about it. But I'm sure you figured out by now that's not how it works. You'll wake up in the morning with the problem, and it might even be worse. There are some steps we have to take. And, and please, don't misunderstand this or write this off without hearing me out. These are not difficult things. Anybody can do what we're getting ready to look at. There's not a person in here that can't do these things. Every one of us can. And so... Let's read on, verse 13, and examine it just a little bit. For the promise that he, that's Abraham, should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. And now in verse 16... He begins to get right to the meat of the issue, the steps of faith, how this kind of faith works, how the law of faith works. And he's going to break it down into some very minute details. He says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the, of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. Now we have to stop here for a moment to, to examine a few things that are very important to us. The only way that grace comes to you in fullness. Now I understand God is a gracious God. It rains on the just and the unjust. The sun, the beautiful sunshine today is shining on the saved and the unsaved. We understand there is a level and a measure 
of goodness and grace that God bestows on everybody, saved and unsaved alike. But I want you to understand that there are things that will only come to us if we will receive the grace of God. And the way you tap into the fullness of grace is through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Through faith. What do you go through? Well, for instance, you think of a tunnel. Everybody's been through a tunnel. You go through it to get from one place to the next. Faith is like that tunnel. Faith is essential to get you through from where you are to the place of the grace of God that he wants you to be in. And in his grace are the blessings, unmerited favor, undeserved blessings, goodness and mercy. All of those things are there. And so faith is essential. Somebody said, well, I just thought I would leave it up to the Lord and whatever is his will, it's going to happen. When you do that, you are basically letting the devil know, I'm not going to use my faith. I'm not going to walk in the steps of Abraham. And the devil takes that as a signal that he can do what he wants to do. You say, but I thought God loves me. He loved you enough to, to, to bestow grace upon you. And he loved you enough to send his word so that you could use your faith. He knows you're in a fallen world. He knows you're in a body that's going to quit functioning sometime out there in the future. He knows that this whole thing's going to have to be changed. But what do we do in the meantime? What do we do now? You know, I know the sweet by and by is wonderful, and, and heaven will wait. You know, the people that are already there, they don't want to come back here. They're, they're waiting there. It's a lot easier to wait there than to wait here. But we have a job to do. And so we need to stay as long as necessary to finish our job. One of my daily confessions is, I will live long, I will live strong, and I will live well upon the earth. I'll live till I'm satisfied with long life, and I'll live till I've finished my course. Now, when will that be? Well, I'm, I'm thinking not, not before I'm 90 or in my 90s. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I like rocking chairs, but I'm not looking one for one for retirement. I'm looking to just to be able to keep on going until the Lord says, you finished your assignment. When that happens, I'll go. When I'm satisfied, I'll go. Amen. But I don't intend to go a day before. Or an hour before. I intend to go when I am satisfied with long life. Amen. And my current life, to some of you, seems like a long life, but it, not to me. <laughs> not to me. I wouldn't exactly call it middle-aged, but anyway, that'd be a stretch, but, but, uh, but I'm not yet decrepit, praise the Lord. Anyway, uh, so we, we, if, if we want to walk in this blessing of grace, we're going to have to do it by faith. But I want you to notice the next phrase in verse 16. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. These grace promises are sure. They're not maybes. Might be, could be. You know, it, it could be if it's Groundhog Day or Leap Year or whatever. No, no, this is, this is sure to all the seed. Say all the seed. Say, that means me. So if God ever made a promise about eternal life, if he ever made a promise about divine healing, if he ever made a promise about any of these things, if he ever made a statement about what he was going to do, then it is sure to you. 
If he ever healed one person, then God wants to heal you. Amen. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, he's still talking about his relationship with Abraham, the steps of faith, and all of that. He says, as it is written, I have made thee, this is God talking to Abraham, I have made thee a father of many nations. This is when Abraham got God's word for the fact that he was going to have a son that through that son, all nations of the earth was going to be blessed. So Abraham had the word. Well, why is that significant, Pastor? Because Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, obviously, God spoke to Abraham. I don't know if he heard an audible voice. I don't know if he just heard him on the inside so clearly and plainly that he knew it was God and he knew what God was saying. really doesn't matter. He had the Word of God. Now, today, when I open this book, guess what I have? I have the Word of God. When I read 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live into righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. That's God's word to me. I know in this Bible that word isn't in red, but it might as well be because I know that's God speaking to me. I know that's not the literal physical word that Jesus spoke when he was on the earth, but that's the word the Holy Ghost gave to Peter to write, it's a word from God. And you could go on and on and on. On and on and on. Philippians 4.19 Because I am a giver, the word says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's a word to me. So just like Abraham received a word from God, you and I are receiving a word from God. That's why you need to listen to, to teaching and preaching as well. Because when things are said under the anointing and things are directed by the Holy Ghost for that message, you can be in a meeting and the answer to your biggest problem can come in just a matter of two or three seconds as a phrase is spoken out. You know, a lot of people... Um, are looking for help, they're looking for answers, and what I want to say to them, in love, of course, uh, and, and it's true, it would be in love, is that your answer was in the meeting, but you weren't there. The anointing was present. The ministry of laying on of hands, the prophetic word, whatever that might be coming forth from God on that day, but you weren't there to receive it or to hear it. I listen all the time to media presentations of ministry. Almost every night. I would say well over 300 nights out of 365 in a year, Glenn and I go to bed listening to somebody preach and teach. I would be safe to say probably over 325, maybe 325, 330 nights a year. Uh, we, we're going to bed and um, listen to somebody preach and teach. We read our Bibles. We quote scripture. You say, are you bragging on yourself? No, I'm trying to tell you that I, I want to, I believe in feeding my spirit. And that's so helpful. But I have learned this. There is a reason why Hebrews 10.25 says what it says. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together 
as the manner of some is. And so much more as you see the day approaching. There's a reason why we need these kinds of gatherings even more now than we did 50 years ago. It's because we need the anointing that comes in the congregation of the people. I get blessed at home. I, I dance at home. I praise at home. I declare the truth at home. But there is nothing like being here or in any service for that matter where the Holy Ghost is moving. There's nothing like it in all the world. And in just a, a second of time, God can, through the anointing, touch your life to change you forever. And it doesn't even have to be that somebody lays hands on you. It doesn't even have to be that somebody prophesies over you. We believe in those things, and they're a blessing. That's wonderful. But just being in His presence opens yourself to receive from God. It strengthens you. When I'm up here praising and worshiping God, it's some of the, the best that... I feel energy-wise, strength-wise, health-wise. And I know it's not just because I'm mentally into it, but it's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I heard a preacher when I was a kid years ago. He used to get real happy, you know. And one of the things he would do when he'd get happy, he'd go, Whoosh! you know, he'd do that. And uh, he, he, would, he would make this statement. He said, it'll make an old man feel like a young one. And it's true. There's nothing like the anointing. Nothing like the anointing. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God for that. Thank God for that. Praise the Lord. So, where were we? Oh, uh, <laughs> we were at verse number 17. And you know what? That's a good place to stop. I cannot do this justice by trying to squeeze this in in the next few minutes. I'm done. You guys can come. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Now, you don't want to miss next week. We're going to take the steps. Amen? We're going to take the steps. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Tell him he shouted his shoes off today. No, I'm kidding. Maybe I need a little smaller size shoe. But we're going to take those steps. Next week, there are one, two, three, four, five. Real simple, nothing complicated, nothing we're going to talk about that you can't do. But I'm telling you, you're going to receive some information that is powerful for you to do what God calls you to do. And I believe we've received some information today that's powerful for us and blessed us. Amen. So, Father, today we're so grateful and thankful. So blessed to be in the kingdom, to hear the word, to be a doer of the word, to have that privilege. Lord, we're th we thank you for your assignments to us, that you would entrust us with heavenly assignments, things that you lead us to do. Whether it's big or little, they're Holy Ghost assignments. And Lord, we don't look at them as chores. We're not trying to hide from you so that we don't have to get involved. We want to do your will. We want to serve. We want to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. And so we ask you today to open up yourself to us and open your word to us in a fresh way, a new way. We thank you for that precious.
precious, precious anointing. And thank you, Lord, that through the, the operation of faith and through the steps of faith, we not only go to a new place through faith, we, we go through the tunnel, we go to the next place of grace and blessing, but we also cross into a new season. It's a new season.